Good morning, everyone. Welcome to 2015. Do you remember Y2K? When we were going to have that technological meltdown and we were all going to die somehow or whatever. That was 15 years ago. And we're still here and we still know who's in control. I'd like to welcome especially any who may be visiting with us this morning. If this is your first time or your first time in a long time, would you help us to get you some information? All you need to do is raise your hand. Pastor Kevin will get that packet of information to you. Uh, just keep your hand up high enough and long enough. He'll find you. There's a little card we'd like for you to fill out, if you will, please, and then put that in the offering plate. Then we can acknowledge your visit by letter. We'd appreciate that very much. While we're welcoming visitors, how would you like to meet our pastor of worship? Would you like to meet him? Paul Eisensee and his wife Becky are right here with us this morning. If you would stand so that everybody can get a good look. Thank you. Welcome. He starts work tomorrow, which means we have not had a very big transition between worship pastors, and we're grateful to the Lord for that. And we're grateful to those who are filling and helping us out this morning with the service. There have been a number of folks who have been involved in that, and we appreciate that very much. A couple of announcements this morning. Uh, Awana is starting back up tonight after the December break. We appreciate they're taking a December break so they can participate in all of our special services in December on Sunday nights. That's ages 3 to 5th grade from 6.15 to 7.45. And tonight, as part of our evening service, we're going to be having a hymn sing. Maybe there was a carol that never got sung this whole, se whole season and it was your favorite opportunity for that or any other songs in the hymn sing in addition to uh, the other things we'll be doing. This is Food for the Needy Emphasis Sunday. Uh, there's more information in the bulletin, but we like to emphasize you can give anytime. We emphasize once a month there are needy people in our community and within our church, and the food items that our priorities are listed for us there as well. And there's an insert for the ladies Friday game night, something that has been catching on, and a, a lot of people are enjoying that, so read all about that for Friday evening. And if you read the bulletin, there are a lot of other important announcements as well. If you look at the top of the order of worship, there's a verse in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, which talks about the importance of vision. And in this case, it's from the negative aspect where there is no vision. We're going to be talking about the vision statement of Alden Union Church uh, here later on this morning. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Keep that in mind, that prophetic vision. What we want to do is we want to do it God's way. We want to know what God wants us to do, and then we want to do it. So will you pray to that end, even now in a moment of silence? We're also anticipating communion later on. But as you pray now in a moment of silence, think in terms of what God would have us as a church to be in 2015 and what God would have you to be, as I'll be doing the same thing for myself. So let's take a moment in silent prayer right now.
Lord, we are not here by accident. We are here at your calling, at your beckoning. We are here because you want us here. And you want us to worship you properly this morning. And we pray this morning that you are pleased that we are worshiping you in spirit and in truth. So help our focus to be correct this morning. Help it to be on you, on who you are, on what you've done for us. And may uh, you be honored by all that we give you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stay standing, please. Please take out your hymnals and turn to number 51, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah. Thank you. Good singing. Before you sit down, please greet those around you.
you would take up your hymnals again, but turn in the back to responsive reading 669. If you're new with us this morning, you'll notice we're doing kind of three things in a row here. They'll take place one after the other. We will do a responsive reading on 669. We'll all read the lighter print. You'll read the bold print. When we're done with our reading, we will stand and sing together the Gloria Patre on page 622, which reminds us our God is unchanging and his word is unchanging. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then together we will quote or say the Apostles' Creed on the inside of your front hymnal and those of you who have known it for years, remembered we adapted a couple of the words. So you may need to uh, refresh yourself this morning by looking at it and not thinking you have it by memory since we tried to uh, update a couple of words in it. So we're going to do those together, one after the other. First, we're on 669, some verses on maturity. He gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the service to the building up of the body of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. ask you first, Christians, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven 
and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Would you join me and pray with me this morning? Lord, we address you now as Father, because we are your children. And as our Father, you know our needs even before we ask. You care for us, you love us, you give us hope, you give us comfort when we need it. We pray especially this morning for the family of Brian Fakes and the comfort they need now and in the days to come as you've taken him to heaven. We praise you this morning because you are the Holy One. You are separate from sin. You are above all. You are unique. You are the only God, the only one who is holy, and we trust this morning we treat you as such. We pray for your return this year. What a great thing that would be. We want your kingdom to come. But in the meantime, we ask that you help us to do your will. By living out the principles of your kingdom, we are citizens of another place. We have different principles we're to live by, and we ask you help us to live by those principles. We pray for the leaders of our church, our elders and trustees. Pray especially for Jim Olszewski this morning, as they'll be examples to us of how to live by those principles. Help us to do your will by preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of how to get to heaven. We're so thankful for our missionaries and the examples they are to us. We pray for the Barnes this morning as they continue to serve you. The many years of faithful service they've had, we pray they would be a great encouragement and example for us to do the same thing where we are. We pray you'd help us to look to you each day for what we need, that we would be dependent on you and not try to depend on ourselves. This morning we ask you to help us to confess sins to you that we're holding on to. As we look to taking communion together, and reminded the importance of examining ourselves. May we do that even now as your spirit reminds us of sins that we haven't said the same thing about our sin as you have. To confess our sins, knowing you've already forgiven them on the cross before we ever confess. But knowing because of your holiness, we must confess those sins. Help us this year to have right relationships with each other to forgive one another, to love one another, because that's how all men know we're your disciples, that we are in proper relationship with each other. We pray for your help in dealing with temptations, that you'd help us to look for that way of escape that you provided every time if we would just take it. 
that we wouldn't give in to those temptations which are there to try to destroy us. We ask for your protection from the evil one who also wants to destroy us. And we pray especially for those that we pray for each week in the military, for John Cania, for our college students, we pray for Ryan Montgomery and Aaliyah Myers, that you would not just protect them physically, but protect them spiritually where they're at. As the evil one's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Everything we have comes from you and belongs to you. And this morning, as we give a portion of that back, may it be a true demonstration that we believe that yours is the kingdom, and yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever. Amen.
please take out your hymnals and turn to number 455, Come All Christians Be Committed, and, and please stand with me. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's join together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message in the words that we've just been singing. That there is a call for all of us to be committed to your cause. And I pray that you'd help us to be able to see a challenge in the vision of Alden Union Church that we'll be sharing this morning. Help us to to receive that challenge and to be able to move ahead and to be committed and to do the things that we've just been singing about. But we can't do it without your help. And so even at this moment, we acknowledge our weakness. We acknowledge your strength. 
and ask that you would not only give us the wherewithal to do what you want us to do, but give us the desire to do it as well, because that's what you do. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to share a little bit about the vision of Alden Union Church. I'd like to do this at the beginning of some years. It's been about five years ago since we've done it last. And so I'm calling this Vision 2015. It's the same vision that we've been sharing year after year after year. But I trust that the Lord would use this in each one of our hearts and lives as a challenge that we'd be able to respond to. I'd like to ask you, first of all, to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 12 through 17, and then we'll be alluding to them a little bit later on. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Earlier we alluded to a verse in Proverbs. It was Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. And in the King James Version, in the New American Standard Bible, it says something like this. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Some other translations say they run wild. Where there's no vision, the people run wild. Everyone becomes a law in his own eyes, like in the book of Judges. Everybody does what's right, what he wants to do, and it ends up in turmoil and chaos. In the NIV, it says something a little bit differently. It says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. So that word revelation would be a synonym for vision. The ESV says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Well, what is this vision thing in Proverbs 29, 18? In the Hebrew, it's the word kalzon, which means a sight, but a mental sight. It's not something that you see through your eyes. It's something mentally. It's something that we process. It could be like a dream or a revelation or an oracle or a divine communication. But it literally means a prophetic revelation. Hence, it's God speaking. It's God's word. The thought is, when God's word is not known and honored, the people run wild. And what a dangerous place to be in when that happens. It means we need to know where we are going from God's Word and what we're supposed to be doing from God's Word or anything goes. We become aimless and random. And I've spoken of this before on another occasion for another reason. How many of you remember the game electric football? Do you remember that electric football where they've got this metal playing field and there are these little metal men who are on there and it's electric and it vibrates and they move down the field supposedly? 
unless they get nudged and then they turn around and they go to the side or they go backwards or they go absolutely everywhere. When I think of this whole idea that the people cast off restraint or they do whatever they want to do, they run wild, I think of this electric football game because everybody's running everywhere and not accomplishing what you'd hoped would be accomplished. Can you remember our vision slogan? Anybody remember the vision slogan of Alden Union Church? I'm hoping that there is at least one person who can remember it. I see hands going up. Anybody want to call out? Anybody daring enough, bold enough? Thank you. Growing in Christ and reaching out to the world. That's our slogan. And uh, if you have trouble remembering that, pay attention when you're in the gym hallway here uh, because I can, I can see it right here. As you come in that door, you'll see a picture of the Bible school taken years ago. It says growing in Christ. When you leave, it'll say reaching out to the world. So there's a constant reminder if you come in that way. If you need more help, it's on the front of the bulletin. If you need more help than that, it's on the front cover of the annual report. It's on the front cover of the church directory. If you're ever making a phone call and you're using the directory, think about that. Because that's more than a slogan. Those are our marching orders we believe God gave to us. Growing in Christ and reaching out to the world. That's our slogan. And here's our vision statement that was created a number of years ago. And it was meant to be lasting. It was meant to be something that we believe was consistent with the scripture. It would be consistent then and is consistent now and will be consistent with 2015. And here's what our vision is. To be a spiritually healthy church that is committed to the inerrant word of God, promoting loving obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ and spiritual growth for the whole church family in a multifaceted ministry and reaching out in love as salt, light, and fragrance to our community, county, country, and continents. So with that in mind, I'd like to isolate the part of our vision slogan that starts out with growing in Christ. Growing in Christ. And several points here. One is that we want to grow as a church and as individuals and as families. We want to be growing, and as someone has said, not status quoing. We want to be growing. We don't want to ever stand pat. We don't ever want to think, well, we've arrived, or we don't need to go any further. There are no more worlds to conquer. We want to be growing constantly. Every one of us, and corporately, we want to be growing the way God wants us to be growing. On the screen, you see a picture of a baby. How many of you think that's a cute baby? Do you think that's a cute baby? Believe it or not, that is not our grandson. Our grandson's a lot cuter than that baby. But imagine that baby, eight pounds, two ounces, 20 inches long. And think about that. And now I'm going to show you a picture of that baby five years later. Still think the baby's cute? Or is maybe there a little bit of an alarm going off? Wait a minute, that baby five years later shouldn't look like that baby. If that happens to your baby... I'd change pediatricians right away, first of all. But no, that's sad. That's, that, that would be pathetic if five years later the baby would look the same as it did near birth. But how about us now? How about you and how about me? How about if a snapshot spiritually were taken of us five years ago and then a spiritual snapshot were taken today and put on the screen would it look like this? Would it look like two identical situations? 
or would we be able to spiritually see growth? Because it's pathetic if a child doesn't grow at all in five years. It's even more pathetic when a Christian doesn't grow in five years. So that's our challenge, to be growing in Christ. And that challenge comes from all over the Scriptures. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, we're told to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Well, what manner might that be? Fully pleasing to Him. Okay, I'm all ears now. I want to know what that is. What's a manner worthy of the Lord and what's pleasing to Him? It says bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's what He wants. That's what pleases Him. That's in a manner that is worthy of Him. If we're increasing in the knowledge of God. Colossians 1.28. We had this in our responsive reading this morning. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's why we read about maturity this morning. That's what God wants from us. He doesn't want us to stay a newborn. He doesn't want us to stay in infancy. He doesn't want us to stay a teenager. He wants us to constantly be growing. We see it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, it says, as is right, because something else is growing now, because your faith is growing. And it's not just growing, it's growing abundantly. And the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. And so we're seeing these words like growing and abundantly and increasing. That's what God would have for us. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. A part of our vision, part of our vision to grow, includes a strong, healthy church whose ultimate vision is of God. Appreciated so much the choir singing, Be Thou My Vision. That's where it really belongs. Our vision is of God And what he has given to us are some marching orders, but constantly in view is our vision is of God. We're not going to be able to help others effectively. We're not going to be able to reach out to the world when we as a church are weak. So we need to be strong spiritually and financially in order to support a worldwide missionary program. We want to be building strong families, and we want to minister to the single community at the same time. We want to think intelligently about how to minimize the demands on families, many of which we place on them ourselves. We want to be able to reach out to the unchurched in love by being innovative and relevant, but not missing out on truth. We certainly don't want to dilute or water that down or compromise truth. We need to be like the men of Issachar that we read about in 1 Chronicles who understood the times. Second Chronicles 12.32 of Issachar, men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. And it mentions in particular there were 200 of them who were the heads of their families, their extended families, people who were under their command. Do you know what that says? It says, understanding the time, men who did that, and their families came along with them. We need dads and the heads of homes to step up and to be able to say to a family, here is what we're going to do. I don't care what the rest of the world does, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Whatever that means, whatever that takes, we're going to do that. They understand the issues and the priorities, and they take that leadership. We want to see that happening because we want a strong, healthy church. 
In order to be true to our vision, we need to take what may appear to be drastic measures as individuals and corporately. They might not seem like drastic measures when I share them with you because the words are very familiar to us. We've heard the words many, many times. Matthew 6.33, for example, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The priority, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's a drastic measure. Because all these things shout for our attention. All these things want to get at the head of the line, not at the rear of the line. And if we let them, they would supplant the proper place of the Lord Jesus in our lives. We need to take drastic measures to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We need to take a drastic measure like in Romans chapter 12 tells us, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. It's not all about me. It's about God. And take whatever of me that you can use and whatever you want, but it's about you, not me. This is a living sacrifice. This is offered to you. That's drastic. It says, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Another translation says, this is your reasonable service. First 11 chapters in Romans tell us all about what God has done for us. And can we not at least give him back ourselves? He's given us absolutely everything. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Our commitment must also show itself in our prayer lives, in our personal Bible study, in our support of the church, including, again, our attendance and our giving as God intends. Our commitment needs to show itself to be a Philippians 2, selfless, humble, sensitive to each other commitment. And you know all about Philippians 2. You know that that's where the Lord Jesus was shown to have humbled himself and became a servant for each one of us. That's the pattern that was set for each one of us. And that's why we ask all of us to be tolerant of each other. There's a lot of give and take. We're asking once again for some thinking of others to have the ministry of remote parking. You know what that is. If you can park elsewhere, park elsewhere, and leave the lot here to those who maybe don't get along so well. We're also asking people to put aside some personal preferences for the sake of the whole body. Everybody has personal preferences. It's okay. But we put some of them aside. We can't have all of them, and we work together. Personal preferences in areas even like music or instrumentation or style or the temperature of the room or somebody's favorite sports teams. I have to be very tolerant of that because some of you are rooting for the wrong teams. Most of you are rooting for the wrong teams, and that's not a good thing. But we're tolerant of each other. Our commitment must show itself, and as Pastor Kevin was praying this morning, show itself in the way that we love one another. The one another ministries, as sometimes they're coined. One another ministries, ultimately, if we put them all together, it's loving each other the way that we should. That's our badge that identifies us as believers. They'll know we're, we're followers of Christ by the way we love each other. But we're told in the one another ministries that we're members of one another. That means we depend on each other. Who you are and what happens to you is vital to who I am and what happens to me. 
and the whole body is dependent on each other. We're members of one another. We're told to be devoted to one another. It's a great expression. It means cherishing one's kindred, like parents to children in particular. This is a family relationship of love one to another. We're told to honor one another, which literally means to go before in a race to be second. That doesn't make sense. We always race to be first. No, we defer to one another. I would like to be ahead so that I can honor you. That's the point that is made by that. Be of the same mind. Doesn't mean we have to think the same way, but we're united when we come to decisions. Be of the same mind. Accept one another, regardless of what the differences may be. Admonish one another. That means to love each other enough to speak the truth in love when necessary. You can't tell me you love me and see me doing something wrong and ignore it. So we admonish one another, we greet one another, we serve one another, we bear one another's burdens, we bear with one another. Because some of us, frankly, can be a little obnoxious to others, uh, your present company included. We submit to one another, we encourage one another. And that's part of what it is to be part of the family of God. Our commitment must show itself in our compliance with the church covenant as well. The church covenant. Would you take out your hymnal, please? And on the inside facing cover, you'll see the church covenant. I like to remind us of the covenant from time to time. There's no point in reinventing the wheel. That covenant is not inspired, but it is based on inspired scripture. It's not a group of people who got together as a committee and said, let's get some club rules or some bylaws or some ways in which as an institution we'll cooperate with each other. No, God's word is the standard of this church covenant. Our covenant has been designed to help us to grow in Christ. We've already made a promise to obey it. Do you realize that? If you're a member of the church, you've promised that you will obey this covenant. That means it's something that should be taken very, very seriously. Personal spiritual disciplines promote growth. And personal spiritual disciplines are promoted in the church covenant. Here's how it starts out. I promise in dependence upon the grace of God to attend as diligently as possible the public worship of God in this church. Now let me ask you a very personal question. Is that true of you? As diligently as possible. Or is it when it's convenient? Is it random? Is it sporadic? Or is this a commitment, a priority that we have? If you're a member of Alden Union Church, it's a priority that you've already promised to God. You've already said that I will attend as diligently as possible the public worship of God in this church. Those are strong words. Based on Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, among other scriptures. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Do you realize that when we gather together, your presence, if that's all there is, is an encouragement to the rest of us? We understand that we're members of one another. We're not in this by ourselves and we're standing side by side with you. So that's a great promise to make, a great promise to keep. And let me encourage you, without us being legalistic and say we're going to take attendance, that means you've got to be here at this service, this service, this service, this service. Just ask God. What does that mean as diligently as possible? What does that mean? What did I promise? And then follow through on that. 
It goes on to say, to especially set apart Sunday for corporate worship and devotion to God. That's the traditional day most Christians have set apart for corporate worship. Special day of worship was changed from Saturday Sabbath to the first day of the week to honor the day of Jesus' resurrection. And let me simply say this, that when we talk about Sunday, we talk about Sunday being the Lord's day. It's not Saturday too. And again, we're not going to be legalistic and say, here's what you can do on Sunday and here's what you cannot do. But we're saying, take this before the Lord and say, what makes this day special? We've set it apart for corporate worship, among other things. We've made a promise that we're going to be meeting together. And we don't do it out of guilt and we don't do it because somebody's hammering us. We do it because it's the right thing to do and because it's backed up by the scriptures. It goes on to say to be faithful in private devotions. And again, nobody's going to monitor that, but that's between you and the Lord. But faithful in private devotions. In Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, I'm not going to read all three verses, but it starts out by saying, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He delights in God's word and he meditates on it. It says day and night. So we're not asking anything above and beyond when we say we've made a promise to be faithful in private devotions. That's what God tells us we should be doing. It goes on to say, and to strive in all things to honor my Lord and Savior by a life consistent with the word of God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16, among many others, would say the same thing. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That means it's living there. That means it's not a part of my life. It means that it's all-consuming in my life. It's always there, present. And that, that word is dwelling in me, and I'm teaching and admonishing, I'm singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in my heart to God. goes on to say, furthermore, I promise to sustain the local and worldwide ministry of this church by praying for its progress. As a member of All the Union Churches, we look into the year 2015, Will you be praying for this body that you're a part of, for the progress of this body? It says in Colossians 4, 2, in the NIV version, devote yourselves. In the ESV, it says continue steadfastly. But devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. That word devote, if we were to take that apart in the original Greek language, is a very strong word to give ourselves continuously to that. The covenant goes on to say, by contributing to its financial support. We don't say a lot about money and giving here at the church. We inform you at times about certain situations, but you won't see a quote-unquote commercial all the time. Uh, nobody's going to be browbeaten about giving. But when we do say something about giving, it's not for the sake of the church. It's for the sake of every individual who makes up the church because giving is a part of our worship, and it's something that we should be doing. I won't turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, but there are many, many verses there that talk about giving God's way. Or some people refer to it as New Testament giving. We're to be giving cheerfully and purposefully and consistently and in love to the Lord. A couple key words there. One of them is excel in the ministry of giving. Excel in that. Or be abounding in that. God's people should never need to be cajoled about giving. It's something that we give to him as part of our worship. 
The covenant goes on to say, and by participating in its work as God enables me. And 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11 tell us everybody's received a gift. Every believer in Christ has a spiritual gift. And it says, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. If you want to bring glory to the Lord, serve him and serve him well in the body. Use the gift or gifts that God has given you. No gifted person should ever be a spectator in the church. No one should ever just come and go and not serve. The gift was given for the sake of others. And then it concludes by saying, I promise to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and to strive to glorify him in all that I am and all that I do. And we've already seen Matthew 6.33 earlier this morning. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. I believe firmly we need to recommit ourselves to excellence in everything we do. Notice I said excellence, not perfection. We want to offer our best to the Lord. Everything should be the best that we can reasonably do. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Well, that's growing in Christ. It's vital. It's necessary. But that's part of it. We do that and then we reach out to the world. Having grown in Christ, having something to offer, we reach out to the world. God has richly blessed Alden Union Church. And it therefore follows that we have a biblical mandate to be an instrument of blessing to others. Again, everything that we do, we try to base on Scripture. It says, everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. A biblical principle. God has blessed us, not just to keep it to ourselves, but to help and to bless others as well. What blessings are we to provide for others? These are the three metaphors that we often allude to, which relate to our senses. I emphasize these metaphors quite often in closing prayer of a service, that God would help us to be the salt and the light and the fragrance that he intends for us to be. We're supposed to provide salt. We know that. Matthew 5.13 says you are the salt of the earth. And so we're supposed to be there a part of the rest of the people on this planet. And sometimes salt takes a different purpose. Sometimes it's used for flavoring and sometimes it's used to melt the beautiful ice and snow that some of you are dreading and others are anticipating greatly. But we're to provide salt, we're to provide light, and we understand Matthew five fourteen. you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And so God's called us to be salt. He's called us to be light. He's called us to provide fragrance. We read these verses earlier in 2 Corinthians. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So we're fragrance. If you look up on the screen, you'll see a lot of varieties of fragrance for the ladies. Guys, it also says aroma. And when it says aroma, there's something for us also. 
We're called to be fragrance, and it so clearly says we're the aroma. And that means that we smell great to people who are responding to that, and we stink to others. The call of the Christian is not always going to be one to be successful to people who are all around us, because sometimes the gospel itself is not received. It's fought against. So we want to be sure of these things as salt were sprinkled throughout the world for a lot of reasons, to enhance flavor, to make things better, to retard corruption, to keep things from becoming worse, to purify. As light were to point people to the light of the world, the Lord Jesus were to let our, our light shine before men so that they can see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. As fragrance, God spreads us everywhere so we may attract people to the knowledge of Christ. So there's our calling to be salt, light, and fragrance for a world that lacks flavor and preservation, that gropes in spiritual darkness, that smells of death and decay. And God has called us to that. That's part of our vision. We want to be salt, light, and fragrance. How far-reaching is our commission to be salt, light, and fragrance? Our commission is as far as the Great Commission is. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's why when we're told that we want to be salt, light, and fragrance, and we want to take God's message, and we want to permeate this entire world, that's why our vision statement stated the extent of that commission. I've added some terms to it. I've added three more to our our statement. Uh, You'll see why in a moment. But all of this is to be carried out for our church, for our campus. Some of you are students. Some of you are involved in ministry to others, to our community, to our county our commonwealth. We're one of four states in the country that can call ourselves a commonwealth. For our country and the continents. I've added three so that we can say literally to the seven seas. And that's where our calling is. It's to everywhere that, is, that, it, that, that we can possibly take that. Keep in mind once again the basic premise. We've been given much. Much has been entrusted to us. Therefore, much is required of us. Think about how God has blessed all the Union Church. Spiritual resources, godly tradition, a heritage that now numbers 100 years. He's blessed us with financial resources, building and property resources, and people resources. We're expected to invest those resources in the lives of others. Well, question that remains, how are we supposed to implement this vision? How are we supposed to implement this? One of the first things that we have to do is to evaluate absolutely everything that we do along with all of our future plans in light of the vision. Some constant questions have got to be, does this help us to get where God is taking us? Is it something that helps us grow in Christ and reach out to the world as salt, light, and fragrance? Is it something that provides servant leadership for others? And leaders everywhere in the church, I need your help. We need your help. Will you ask those questions? Every time you're in a planning situation, ask those questions. Is this going to help us to grow in Christ and reach out to the world? Or is this just an activity? It's got to be purposeful. Part of our vision statement says we want to have a multifaceted ministry. And we do have a multifaceted ministry. We want to reach out to, to families in their totality. And it is multifaceted. But that doesn't mean that we keep adding ministries for ministry's sake. They've got to accomplish our purposes. There always should be a number of them if we're going to be multifaceted, but we've got to be very careful that we're not just programmed. Growing in Christ, what are we doing? 
What are we doing at Alden Union Church? We have Christianity 101 for our visitors and new members classes, teaching them basic doctrinal principles. We have a commitment to 40 minutes of Bible teaching during the Bible school hour, age appropriate to the, uh, the people that are in the classes. Please help us to keep that. 40 minutes of Bible teaching. We don't want our Bible school to degenerate as it does in many places into many other good things that could be done, but we want to be growing in Christ. The best way is through his word. Please try to allow for that and continuing commitment to scripture memory. Don't let that fall by the wayside, not just for the kids, but for all of us. We're continuing the Bible Training Center of Delaware County. And in two weeks' time, with the graduating class there, we'll be well over 100 graduates now of the Bible Training Center of Delaware County. It's one of the ways we try to grow in Christ. We encourage you, uh, pay attention when you hear the testimonies of those students in a couple of weeks. And uh, ask God if he would have you to be a part of that. Maybe that's part of your 2015 growth. We've got preschool and after-school programs. Children are introduced to Christ. They're taught to grow in him. We've got a well-balanced diet of Scripture, we hope, in the regular services, we have exposition or textual preaching most of the time. We've got topical studies thrown in like this morning when they're, we trust helpful. We've got men's and women's Bible studies at different times of the week. We've got a well-stocked library with a wealth of good books and resources and helpful librarians. And we encourage you to take advantage of that. The building blocks are all on the table. Many of them are in place. We need to build. We need to encourage each other. We need to take our Christianity very, very seriously. Reaching out to the world. What are we doing? What are we doing to reach out to the world? Let me mention in rapid succession a few of the things. Alden Cares, helping the neighborhood and the church when people are in need. English as a second language. A great thriving ministry right, right now. We're grateful to the Lord for those he's provided to lead that. Explorer Girls, one of the great outreaches of the church. Alden Bible Camp, Time for Moms. Support of Delaware County Pregnancy Center, the Easter Egg Outreach, Grief Share, God's Gals, God's Special People, the Bread Ministry to Visitors, Short-Term and Career Missionaries, Awana, Loving Others Through Serving, our Lots Ministry, Holiday Musicals and Special Services such as the Christmas Cantata, Christmas Eve Services, Trunk or Treat, Judo Outreach, Community Movies, Angel Tree, Friendship Evangelism, Salt Light and Fragrance Drama Team, Community Picnic to Invite the Neighborhood to Our Park and Parking Lot, Fourth of July Parade, Founders Day, over six and it may be seven million pennies to Peru, whatever else we can think of during the year, reaching out to the world. What are we doing? We're doing some things. We need to continue doing those things. We need to evaluate and we need to keep doing other things. So I charge you as Alden Union Church to take our vision seriously. We want to reach out to the world and we want to grow in Christ before we do that. Growing in Christ, reaching out to the world, it involves every one of us. There can't be any spectators. We can't afford to be moving ahead if we're dragging people with us. We need everybody to be moving forward at the same time. So I charge all of us to support in reality what we do in theory. Let's put our energy and our prayers and our money to our words. Let's make a commitment to the Lord in this church that the world will literally be a different place because of us and because of what God does for us in the year 2015. Will you join with us in this vision? We have a remarkable opportunity to do God's bidding, but we've got to do it together. Are you prepared to grow in Christ and to reach out to the world? Let's pray.
Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the vision that we believe that you've given to us because we've taken it from your word. And we're trying to do the things, concentrate on them, focus on them that you've already told us to. We thank you for that. And I pray that you'd help each one of us to take seriously our Christianity, never to take it for granted, never to view the church as something that is stagnant and something that I just kind of come in and go out and uh, do my thing on a Sunday, but help me to understand that it's vital, that it's, it's a growing organism. It's something that we need to be a part of, each one, each one doing our part, all for your praise and glory. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we point our vision now on the, uh, on the cross of our Savior Jesus Christ and prepare for communion, please take your hymnals out to 185, and we will sing together the first three verses of When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Thank you. Please stand. Be seated. At this time, I would like to invite you to participate in communion with us if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not hanging on to some known willful sin in your life right now, in cases where you don't know Christ as your Savior or you're harboring sin right now, let me encourage you to make sure that you come to know the Lord Jesus and that you deal with any situations before you participate, because the Bible is very clear in warning us against celebrating the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper communion, 
if we're in those situations. But you don't have to be a member of Alden Union Church, just a member of the body of Christ. I'd like to encourage each one of us now to take a moment in silent heart searching. If there's something that God has placed on our heart that we need to talk to him about, to confess, to agree with him, some wrong in our life, let's do that right now. And then let's participate together because it does say examine yourselves before you eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So let's do that right now. Apostle Paul said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I have the privilege of leading in prayer right now, a, a prayer of thanksgiving, but I trust all of you are praying along with me. Heavenly Father, what a privilege to thank you for the symbol of what Jesus did for us. We've celebrated at Christmas the incarnation. We understand how deity became humanity. We understand that huge, huge gulf that was crossed. Actually, we don't understand it. We can't even comprehend that. But we're grateful as much as we can grasp. And then that body was torn apart for us. And we're grateful and this is an opportunity for us to express that gratitude and to remember as you've told us to do. So we remember the body of Christ and the symbol before us now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let us partake together in remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a second reminder because after supper, the Lord Jesus took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood and we were told to do this whenever we drink it in remembrance of him once again. And so we do it now reminded of forgiveness of sin. Thank you that Jesus paid it all. Thank you that it truly was finished when he said it was. And thank you that until he comes back again, believers will be remembering this. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let us partake together in remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ. The night of the Last Supper, it tells us that they sung a hymn and then they went out. We're going to sing the last verse of the song that we sang earlier. When I survey the wondrous cross, Dave is going to lead us. Turn to 185. We'll sing verse 4. You can stand there. Heavenly Father, thank you for the beautiful words of challenge that we just sang. Demands everything that we have. Help us to meet that challenge and take us from here now to go out into this world to be the salt, light, and fragrance that you intend for us to be. Help us never to be content with just making a living, but to make a difference. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.